Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Today, Ben, we are previewing week four of the college football season. As And as you said, right before we hit record on this podcast, we got some good games to talk about. We got some daggum games, brother. We got, like, we have games where there's a team with a number against another team with a number you know tremendous news normally i think that a lot of these rankings are a crock of poop as a poop crock as people heard on the podcast yesterday but it still allows us to preview these games with a little bit of hype anytime that you've got two top 25 teams going on speaking of two top 25 teams man thursday night we got houston at tulane Okay, that transition did not work. I mean, this is just a juggernaut bout. Whoa. Okay, and we joke because joking is fun. Often. But. Yeah, no, I have nothing. This game's going to be ready for plays. Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, Every time I see Houston, the only thing I can think of is just De'Aaron King. Uh, And I guess this is the only game that's going on on Thursday, the only college football game that's going on on Thursday. What's the Thursday night NFL game this week? It's Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Tennessee. Gardner oh. against Marcus Mariota. Doug oh, Marone man. against Mike Rabel. It's Mark one... Rabel. Matt Rabel. <laughs> yeah, we've been over this. I don't know Rabel's first name. It's Mike. Mike. I I know it's one of the three. What did you think names. it was? What did you think it was, Mark? So I know it's I know it's Mike, Mark, or Matt, but I always get it Just... wrong. <laughs> Right? I, I get it wrong all the time. I, in every post I've ever written by the Tennessee Titans, at least once, I accidentally call him like Matt Vrabel. That's it. It's M, and it's got four letters, and it's lame. They're all the same. They're interchangeable. Are you, not one, of those, are you not one of those people that gets like, that, that learns lessons through embarrassment? Because I Trevor, am. have you met me? Trevor, if I learned a lesson through embarrassment, I would be drastically different person by now. Well, I, well, I was hoping that I was hoping that you would. That's how it is for me. I'm like, you know, like if if I get something wrong in an article, if I spell somebody's name wrong, or if a fan base comes after me for not an opinion, like like a fact, like if I get somebody's name wrong or something, I'll never forget it ever again. I'll be like, all right, well, that felt <laughs> that felt bad. So I'm yeah, I, uh, gonna remember that from now on. I think it's quite the dandy. I think it's pretty funny. Um, and I revel in Titans fans' frustration that I do not know their head coach's first name. Unbelievable. Anyway. Unbelievable. Matchup of, uh, yeah, Titans, Titans, Jaguars, matchup of uh, one good QB and also Marcus Mariota. Um, Ain't it true, brother? I'm probably going to watch Houston Tulane because it'll be more wacky. No, I probably won't. I'll watch. I think I have a game day shift, so. I think I'm going to watch both. I'd say, you're going to be watching. Sucks to suck. I'm off on Thursday. God bless. Hey, you want to switch shifts with me? Um, No, because I have an 8 p.m. on Saturday shift, which means I get Georgia-Notre Dame. Suck it. Ah, crap. All right, before we get to Georgia-Notre Dame, though, Friday night, yes. as you pointed out, again, in the uh, pre-podcast uh, Chat. portion of our planning, which is about 30 seconds of, all right, you ready to do this podcast? All right, cool, yeah, ready? Three, two, one, go. Friday night, we do get Utah, the top 10 ranked Utah Utes, 
we get Utah at USC. Mm-hmm. You were very excited about this game. Absolutely. Uh, I think, number one, you've got a huge wide receiver versus secondary matchup from the perspective uh, uh, of the uh, the Trojans being on offense. Yes. You have Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn's going up against Jalen Johnson in the corner. You How has Jalen two- Johnson been? Do you know? I have not watched. I, have, I, I don't think I've watched a single Utah game this year. I'm going to be honest. So this right. is my chance to watch him. I thought he played pretty well against BYU, though I wouldn't say that BYU exactly had the sort of athletes to test him. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, you know, the quarter of the game I saw of him playing Northern Illinois, again, there was no one at Northern Illinois that really gave him much trouble. We know that Johnson is good against bad players because he's so physical and so proactive. Right, right. right. So he washes them. Yep. What I'm much more interested to see is what he does against a guy like a Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. Pittman being a 6'3", 215 player. Uh that 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 physical tool set will will do a lot more damage to Johnson in those physical situations where Johnson doesn't necessarily get the right angle, land his hands properly, bring his feet with him, whatnot. It's worth noting that Julian Blackman, uh, who transfer tra- translated from corner to safety, two interceptions in three games. Ball skills have remained. He looks comfortable playing off ball and reading the backfield, which is one of his strengths at corner. The safety transition for Blackman looks good so far against an air raid system. Going to be tougher. They're going to flood deep zones. They're going to give you a three wide receiver looks, and you're going to have to interpret a route concept and route combinations very quickly. Uh, and, and I think that there's an opportunity here with Blackman going up against a freshman quarterback in, in Keaton Slovis, who has looked good. I'll give Keaton Slovis that. But they they're gonna you know the, the the air raid concepts that Graham Harrell is running there they weren't you know uh, rocket science to begin with and I think that with Slovis in place things have dumbed down a little bit as well you kind of got to simplify what you're gonna do mm-hmm. that gives Blackman an opportunity I think to really showcase his playmaking ability so I'm thrilled to watch that matchup but the other matchup that I think is underappreciated here in terms of what I'm I'm fascinated to watch is you have a USC defensive line that includes J.J. Valley, the redshirt uh, sophomore, Christian Rector, a redshirt senior, and then Marlon Tuipelotu, the redshirt sophomore, all of whom have some significant talent, putting aside freshman Edge Drake Jackson, who is not a regular freshman, like not a you know human being is crazy, um, going up against, oh shoot, I'm talking about the wrong defensive line. I'm not talking about the wrong defensive line. Which I defensive line were you talking about? I want, I'm talking about the USC defensive line. No, no, no. The Utah Utes defensive line going against the Trojans offensive line. Okay. Left tackle Austin Jackson, right tackle graduate transfer Drew Richmond, dealing with Bradley and I, dealing with Lucky Fotu. That's yeah. the one that I want to watch, not yeah. the other one, because Utah's offensive line has like nobody on it because they lost a bunch of them from last year. Okay. Well, well yeah. then, I mean, still watching USC's defensive line will be fun. Yes. I mean, if they're, if have... they're just, just going to go after him. Yes. I mean, like, we have uh, Jay Tufele as a guy who's caught in some fire in scouting circles early. Christian Rector is a guy I've never really been able to get around on, but I know the NFL likes his size strength profile. So USC does have some dudes on the defensive line. That's really the best they offer on right now a defense that I think is really, really weak through the air. It's going to be a big game for Tyler Huntley passing the football, uh, and I'm excited to watch we How hope. are you? We Eat hope. The Trojans. Nothing makes me happier. Listen, I'm pretty sure I said that Utah was going to win the Pac-12, didn't I? In our, pre- yes. in our preview things, I'm pretty sure I said Utah was going to win the Pac-12. I'm pretty sure I said... Didn't you tell it. me to pump the brakes on that? I did. 
Probably because everybody was like bananas. Lee Corso was putting them at like you know in the national championship game with Alabama, and they've looked good so far. No, I I, I didn't think like national championship, right. but like Pac-12 is clearly down. So right. Well, Utah's I'll put good. it to you this way: people thought the test was going to be oh potentially this game against USC. Obviously, they bring Washington State. Washington State has caused problems for Utah in the past. That's next week. The right. real test is going to be an undefeated Utah team. They're going to be like. 7 and 0 going against an undefeated you heard me say it undefeated Cal team. Cal right now is 3 and 0. Cal's going to beat Ole Miss and then they're going to beat Arizona State at home and then they're going to be Oregon on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be 7 and 0 Cal against 7 and 0 Utah for the oh Pac-12. Oh illustrating just how far the conference has fallen. Utah's going to Utah I pray that Utah wins that game. You don't like this Cal team is talented, man. Every I'm so excited to see the matchup against Ole Miss because if they match up as well as I expect them to, especially if they're able to move the ball well against the SEC defense, I think Ross Garber's taking a nice step forward this year. I'm gonna get some takes off, brother. Cal Golden Bears, our Bears. I'm looking forward before we get into the noon games. I'm looking forward to see how Zach Moss performs because I've been I've been really impressed with him. Early on in the season, he's got 200 yard games already. Um, had the 187 yard performance against BYU to open up the season. He's been good, and and you guys tried to tell me this summer. I'll admit it. You guys tried to tell me that Zach Moss is better than I was giving him credit for. And when I watched Zach Moss at the end of last year, the only time that I really got to watch him, you guys are telling me he was hurt. And a big part of why I wasn't so sold on Zach Moss. Love how he works through contact. Love his balance. Love his determined style as a runner. But if you don't even have like that, I'm not even talking about like the rare gear like ETN has. Like when I watched Zach Moss, I didn't even think he had like a fourth gear. I didn't even think he could get up to speed. And it was just like, okay, you break all these tackles, and then what? You know, I, I, you've got to be able to break tackles and then turn that into open space and turn that into some yards and get down the field. With Zach Moss, I just felt like even when the holes opened up perfectly for him at the end of last year when I really started to pay attention to him, I just didn't see a lot of juice from him. But you guys were telling me he was hurt. And this year I'm watching him and he seems to have that extra pep in his step, that, that, that extra gear or at least signs of it that I didn't feel like I saw last year. And so I'm still very intrigued on Zach Moss. From what I saw in that first game, I really liked, and then I caught up some of his last game as well against Idaho State. So excited to see him go up against USC and, and kind of have a have a spotlight to where I can really watch him again. Um, the noon games. LSU plays Vanderbilt, and I just wanted to bring up again, like Keyshawn Vaughn's a running back that I, I was really high on going into the year, and not so great to start. The that offensive line, which I had the great pleasure and honor of watching live against Purdue, is La Bad, which is Spanish for not good. Oh, man, it sucks. That is a rough front five that they've got. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going well for my boy, Keyshawn. Um, no. I, would, I, w- I would like for him to have a, like, a coming out performance against LSU, but uh, meh. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, Florida plays Tennessee, which will be fun because Florida now has their backup quarterback in. They're now playing Kyle Trask with Felipe Franks. Likely out for the year. Amen, Trask Force. Assemble. Tennessee. Look good against UT Chattanooga. And you know what? You know what about Tennessee? 
I understand that like UT Chattanooga is not good, but Tennessee's players looked hella pumped up the whole time playing that game. Like y'all are 0-2, your year is basically shot and over with, you're playing a team that everyone expects you to beat, that, I mean, the performance really isn't going to matter, and yet these dudes were hyped after every single play. And so that makes me think, hey, you know what? They're going to show up against Florida. This will at least be a fun one for the beginning part of it. You figure Florida will probably pull away. Alabama's playing Southern Miss at noon. <laughs> it's just going to be another 66-point game. But, what? but, not only do we have the Cal game, which Ben is apparently going to be paying very much close attention to. Ole Miss is terrible, so Cal better beat Ole Miss. Act all champion. Oh boy, Michigan One travels. National champion, playoff mm-hmm. team. <laughs> Jesus, I told you the second they beat Ole Miss, the takes fly. Michigan travels to Wisconsin in an eleven versus thirteen matchup in the Big that Ten. Promises seventeen total points. <laughs> <laughs> I think the final score of this game is going to legit be like. 24-13. And Wisconsin's going to win. these teams a lot of credit to successfully get the ball in the end zone. That's a whole four touchdowns between the two of them. No, I think it's going to be uh, three field goals for Michigan and two safeties for Michigan. That's how they get to 13. Uh, yes, of course. Um, Wisconsin's going to try as hard as they can. To run to the ball, agreed. This game, yeah, absolutely. Wisconsin's going to try as hard as they can to slow this game down, make it... Well, I mean, they don't... What do you, what do you mean, try? Okay, Wisconsin's they're, going they're, to slow this they're game they're playing, down. They're playing Michigan. Right, but Michigan under Gaddis has been willing to throw the ball more frequently on yeah, early. Yeah, and it days. doesn't work. The running game doesn't work. Okay, all right, great. So why are they ranked 11? Let's talk about it. No, okay, keep going. (laughs) Questions I've been asking myself, man. All right, keep going. Sorry, Wisconsin, going to try to slow the game down. Right. But as we know with Wisconsin, obviously as an offensive line factory, sure, when we get that, they rotate in three new starters on the offensive line, I'm relatively certain, maybe even four, I can't remember. You have Tyler Biotis as the center. Cole Van Lannan is, is their left tackle who's got some intriguing draft hype, but this offensive line is not nearly what it was last year. Meanwhile, Michigan, they've got to reload the entire defensive line, right? We know the, uh, that uh, 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 Winovich is gone. We know that Rashawn Gary is gone. You get Quiddy Pay. You get Michael Dwumafor. You get my son, Josh Ucci. You get Michael Banna. In the battle between these two trenches, who both of them are relatively untested, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. I have more faith in the Michigan defensive line over the Wisconsin offensive line right now. And so I think that this game is going to come down to what is Jack Cohen going to be able to do playing from behind, playing through the air. And I'll be honest with you, I really think he's got enough. Cohen has looked more comfortable in the offense. Uh, He's been able to better execute in terms of his relationship with his pass catchers. I think that that, that, that retro sophomore Ferguson tight end is good. Obviously, Quintez Cephas is also back and is available now. What a name. Yes. And what a name. Obviously, you know, when we talk about Cephas, you know, it, it is, he, this is a very Cephas. talented football player. 
who, you know, this NFL draft process is going to be wild because there was a sexual assault charge and now he's back. And I have no idea where that stands in the courts and in what court it's in and how that all works and whatever like that. But I really, it feels very odd to say this. I think the Badgers have enough of a passing attack to keep the University of Michigan at bay. But that's where I am right now. I have, mm-hmm. uh, I have enough faith in Jack Cohen, what I've seen from him, which I will fully renege on the moment that Michigan very likely suffocates him to death. But he's had a good <laughs> opening, a good start of the year. And I think that if and when Michigan is able to take the running game away, I think like in a battle between Cohen and Patterson, I don't think the delta is huge. I don't think the difference is massive. No. And I think that Wisconsin will be able to play from behind and be able to catch up if they get in that spot. And so I like Wisconsin to win this football game. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't feel confident about it. I don't feel great about it. This is going to be a slot fest, but I think that Wisconsin comfortably the best team in the big 10 West uh, has a better, more balanced offense than people acknowledge. Who does Wisconsin? You said Wisconsin does. No, I, no, I, I, I agree with you. I really do. I, I, I kind of jokingly said Wisconsin is going to do whatever they can to run the ball. I mean, they have Jonathan Taylor, so you're going to utilize that and, and make that the focus of your offense. Anytime you have a player like that. Um, behind the quarterback, but I'm a believer that Wisconsin isn't just super limited to only being able to run the ball. That's why I think that they're going to to easily handle Michigan. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game just because of the styles that both teams play as Big Ten teams, which we've seen that's kind of the, the way that their conference play goes, but there's a reason why I think the matchup predictor has it over 70% for Wisconsin to win this game, and I think that they have that because when probabilities of of how realities could play out one way or the other, it's easy to see where Wisconsin could take control of this game and really be the aggressors the entire time and win this one. But it's harder to see Michigan overcoming something like that than on the flip side, hey, if Michigan jumps out a little bit and then they try to control the game and control the tempo, does Wisconsin have what it takes to up the tempo, push the ball down the field, get some extra points, be more efficient while still being more urgent i would trust wisconsin to be a lot more comfortable with that and i mean i think that the total yards per game show that i think wisconsin's averaging you know they they play a similar style but i I think that wisconsin's averaging over 100 yards more per game yeah three michigan's got 396 and wisconsin's got 517 now wisconsin's last two games have been usf and central michigan so you better be putting up some yards against teams like that but Michigan you know who have. the uh, the leading and receiving touchdowns is for the Wisconsin Badgers, right? Um, is it is it not Cephas? It's Jonathan Taylor. Oh, is it really? He there has three receiving touchdowns, and Cephas has two. And oh, okay. Five passing touchdowns they've had. So I think that that's going to be a uh, this is going to be a big game. But I think it's when I say that it's going to be a big game, I say it more so from a landscape perspective of college football than I actually do think it's going to be a. a like a slugfest, like a classic or something. Even though I don't think that Wisconsin's going to blow them out, I think Wisconsin's going to win this game. I think Wisconsin's going to win pretty easily. And I think after this, we can stop talking about Michigan. And I think that's oh, the that's God, the big... Please let us stop. That's the big picture here, is that right now it's only Ohio State in the Big Ten. And right. it, it's, it, it is to be seen... The only other team that I look at in the Big Ten that I think is relatively good at all is Wisconsin. Now they actually get into league play. They could play a lot of the big team, 10 teams before they end up having to play, you know, in Ohio State down the road. But 
this is this is this game. I think holds a lot of weight, not just because of the matchup with Michigan, but it tells me what kind of a team Wisconsin is. Because I think I already, I, I mean, I already know, at least I think so, what Michigan is, and I don't like it. So, do you remember, uh, do you remember what Wisconsin did in twenty seventeen? Uh, you're gonna have to. What do you mean? What did they do? Wisconsin eat, eat cheese, run the ball. Yes. Good point. Wisconsin uh, went undefeated throughout the regular season. Yes. Went straight to straight 12 and 0. Yes. He ranked Iowa. Was... He ranked Michigan 24 to 10. Um, met Ohio State in the conference championship game and lost by one possession on the final score, but it was not that close of a game at all uh-huh. in terms of you know what it actually ended up looking like. Right. I mean, like, they're going to beat Michigan again this year. They're going to catch, catch Ohio State in the regular season. They're going to yeah. lose to Ohio State. They're well, going to be a one-loss Big Ten West champion, and then they're going to go see Ohio State in the Ohio State again. again. I just, I just want to know if there's, if there's more than one team in the Big Ten. Tell me. Wisconsin, is there? You have the power to let me know. 3.30. Auburn goes to Texas A&M, goes to College Station. That'd be a fun one. Auburn AM. I you know, this this game obviously could have been, I think, a little bit bigger. Um depending on the quarterback situation, what you think is Auburn. Auburn's ranked eighth, and they beat Oregon at the beginning of the year, so I don't want to take anything away from them. But Bo Nix didn't exactly look their their Should quarterback. Not be in Oregon, don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh <laughs> it open up the window for Cal <laughs> champion. Bo, Bo Nix didn't look that impressive for Auburn in that opener. I wasn't super impressed with them going up against even though they beat um Oregon and that's when I say not super impressed I don't just I don't think they're like a terrible team or anything but this game I, I say it all to bring it towards this game I think could have meant a lot more you know if Auburn would have really come out and dominated Oregon and the quarterback play was a little bit better and I had more faith in their signal caller and if if A&M showed up a little bit even if they would have still lost to Clemson if they would have showed up the way they did last year where they took Clemson down to the wire and this team was I mean A&M got bullied by Clemson basically the whole game and Kellen Mond I was like I was like, all right, well, um, you know, you're not better than I thought you were last year. And so it's a game where I think it had a lot of potential hype. It's still a big one. I'm still going to watch it. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, is this game felt like it could have been bigger. Does it not, Ben? No. I no? Don't think, I mean, like, I feel like, I, I guess, okay, like, sure, A&M could have been 3-0, but I don't think anybody thought that no, was No, I'm not even, yeah, yeah. But that's why I said, like, even if they would have lost to Clemson, it was the way that they lost to Clemson where I was just like, oh, you guys you guys have, I mean, like, zero chance the whole time. Right. I mean, I'll put it to you this way. Like, what have you looked at the line for this game? I don't have the lines in front of me, no. So what do you think the line is? Just guess off the top of your head. Uh, it's at A&M, so I'm going to say A&M is f- favored by two and a half. So it opened at four and it's hung at four. And so okay. I don't really think A&M is being A&M's discounted. A&M's favored? Yes, A&M's favored. Okay. I don't think it's being discounted. I don't think A&M's being discounted too much just because they they weren't really able to get up against Clemson. I think that Clemson, having remembered the law, the near loss to AM last year, you know, came in with a goal, had an objective, and, and executed. You know, they wanted to kind of stuff AM for four quarters, and they did. AM is still quite a good football team. Would love, absolutely love to, as they, you know, continue to establish themselves in the SEC, as they continue to grow in the second year of Jimbo Fisher, stick it to Malzahn, stick it to Auburn. I mean, beating Auburn is 
like a bit of a special thing. I think in, in, in past years, because we know Malzahn's seat has been of, you know, questionable temperature, has been shaky over the past couple of years. So, you know, you want to be able to take out a team like Auburn. They're still a top 10 team. They're still a huge rival for you in, in the SEC. And then also you have the potential for disrupting Malzahn and, and potentially having Auburn have to enter a rebuild and replacing Malzahn with a coach who's going to have to take multiple years to kind of build things up. Like, I don't think... I think that this game is, is huge for Texas A&M, who would really like to assert themselves, even though they lost to Clemson as a top-10 team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a, a, a one-loss, two-loss record in the SEC West, which includes a loss to Clemson out of conference, is not a bad season by any means. Jimbo Fisher can sell the ever-living daylights out of that season to recruits. So I think this is, I, I still think this is a very important matchup for A&M, and then obviously it's a very important matchup for Auburn who's going to try to pace Alabama and try to pace LSU in what's clearly going to be an insane race in the SEC. Uh, so, so, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's quite the big game on both counts. And I do think that the prospect matchups that we're getting here are going to be exciting. I think that Kellen Mond going up against a obviously just loaded defense, just draftable talent everywhere at all three levels for Auburn. Two weeks after catching Clemson, Huge opportunity for Mond to have a bounce-back process. I remember when we talked about Mond, we talked about, okay, he's just inconsistent now, and everybody's just going to be talking about his tools until he actually eventually comes out. Well, this sort of a game is how you establish yourself as having a more legit... I mean, he better. He better. Well, absolutely. I mean, I agree that he better. Like, I I don't disagree with you. That's what I'm saying is, like, this is the... This is a... a, a, Another storied, deep, NFL-worthy defense. You didn't get to do it against Clemson. Well, here you are mm-hmm. two weeks later, fresh off of that poor performance, with an opportunity to, to lay into a huge SEC rival. I think that this is uh, – I think it's big for Texas A&M. I think it's big for Kevin Mond. UCF Pittsburgh's on at 3.30 as well, and for some reason I just feel like I'm now going to have to pay attention to every UCF game after writing that article. I wonder why you're going to have to pay attention to every UCF game. Because – wait, why? I was going to say now we get – Gabriel Davis. We've oh, well, well, yeah, I mean, again, Davis. Dane Jackson is a, is, a, is a decent corner prospect. Well, there's a good matchup there. So while I watch UCF and just wait for my mentions to burn a flame because they're, you know, God hates me and UCF's going to win. This, this is going to be the year that when I finally turn around and write an article about UCF, this is going to be the year that they slip up and lose to a nobody. So uh, can't wait for that to happen. The mentions hey, are just going to be glorious. Pat, I can count the seven Narduzzi and nobody. The guy who doesn't know math, don't fear him. I don't. I don't care. At night, though, Georgia Notre Dame. That's the big one. That's the big one. We skipping right over Washington BYU. That's fine. Whatever. Washington BYU. Where did I miss that one? Nick Harris versus Kyrus Tonga. Tonga, and and um, that's all I know about that game. All right, Mormon Manzel. All right, so we didn't skip it. Thank you for that. Nope. Um, Notre Dame at Georgia. This is a big one because. This one's at Georgia, and this one's between number three, number seven. Georgia's number three. Notre Dame's number seven. Right now, the matchup predictor has Georgia as a seventy, no, a sixty-seven point percent to win this game. Mm-hmm. I'm agree fine with that? with that. Yeah, I mean, I think I am too. I think Georgia's okay. going to win the football game. I think I Georgia's no better. I got no problem. DeAndre Swift, man, that kid's good. It's <laughs> just every week he's just showing me something. Who's the? I think I mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago, but um, if you don't know who George Pickens is, 
for uh, the wide receiver from Georgia. Yeah. He is a freshman, so he's not going to be eligible for, I believe, another two years. I don't think he's a red shirt freshman. I think he's a true freshman. That kid is so good. So if you have yet to see a Georgia game, you better sit down and watch this one because Georgia's got quite a few NFL draft prospects in this game, whether they're draft eligible this year or not. But the big one, I mean, outside of DeAndre Swift, because I think we all know that DeAndre Swift is good at this point. We all know Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for Georgia, is good at this point. Although Andrew Thomas gets to go up against Julian Okwara and um, Khalid Kareem, that's, which... That's I'm, the big one for me. Yeah, I mean... Kareem and Julian Okwara up against Andrew Thomas. Yeah, um, which guy are you most looking forward to seeing go up against Thomas? Because for me, it's Okwara. Uh, that's... Right, I mean, I think that, yeah, uh, Okwara is known as the more... Uh, the higher-ranked draft prospect. I've been very vocal in my appreciation for Khalid Kareem, who I think is easily overlooked because he plays opposite Aquara, and he, he isn't the same talent. He's more of an interior, exterior, you know, an inside-outside flex guy. Um, but Aquara versus Thomas is, I mean, Thomas' sublime athletic ability and I think some really, really great technique against Aquara, sublime athletic ability and growing technique. And so this is the gut-check game. I think, obviously, you know, you want to see Thomas play well against some top competition, but to me, this is the gut check game for Aquara, a player who I think has a little bit too much steam right now in NFL draft circles. I don't think he has a, a, a good day against Thomas. I think Thomas has the requisite tools to put Aquara to bed. And that doesn't mean Aquara is a bad player by any means. It just emphasizes how good Thomas is and how much work Aquara still needs in terms of Been his really. Technique. Okay. Been re- been really impressed with with Andrew Thomas um, from what I've I've watched. I don't I don't I don't get a whole lot into the nitty gritty of these offensive line guys until the season's really over. Just because you know when you're watching games live and when you're reacting the week after, the week before, doing previews and whatever it is, you're focusing on on, on a lot of the guys that get the ball. Uh, watching offensive line definitely, you have to turn on the tape and really put them these guys under a microscope, if you will. You've got to just watch them. You can't really be t- paying attention to too much of the rest of the game. You've got to. There's so much technicality into what they do, and with the offensive line moving in general, and the uh, and the defensive line moving up against them, seeing what gaps they have and what assignments they're going up against, what kind of guys. So all that to say, I'm not super big on offensive linemen during the season. I recognize some of the guys that are good that are being talked about, and I'll try to give them a peep, but I. I really don't get into them until right around December and January. But I will say this, I've caught a little bit of the Georgia games over the last couple of weeks and Andrew Thomas has been really good. He has really impressed me and so I'm very much looking forward to that matchup. This is a big one for Jake Fromm. I think a lot of them are, but anytime you're a quarterback who's talked about as a potential first rounder, when you play like these mar- when you play these marquee wait, what did you say? I said like I am. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, when you play, play these marquee matchups, they're a big deal. And Fromm has had no shortage of big games that he has played in at Georgia over his career. But the reason why people, I think, are hesitant on Fromm as a draft prospect, and, and you can correct me if, if you feel a totally different way about him, but for me, it's just the consistency and the arm strength with him. I wanted to see Fromm take a big step against that bigger competition in terms of being a consistent deep ball passer. And I think that I've again I've seen some highlights over the last couple of weeks of Fromm being able to hit some big time throws and some pinpoint accurate throws, but the arm strength is my biggest worry. And I will be on my couch watching every single Jake Fromm throw in this game. I'm hoping I see Even though it's not your game day shift? Hello. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, you know. I'm. I'm, I'm going to watch. To remind you that you're watching Houston Tulane and Jack will kind of see, and I'm watching. I actually am going to try and get out of that, but you know, we'll see. 
we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So, I mean, what are you looking forward for, for with Jake from this game? Does it does it even? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to say does it even matter for Fromm because it's a big game sure. and it's not like he hasn't played in big games before. But we've seen a lot of Fromm in these situations. Is there is there an area of his game that going into even just this particular matchup that yes. you're really looking for him to to improve on that you really want him to see something? Yes, it, it's very simple. Uh, win, and the reason is because and we've talked. <laughs> I think we talked about this, or maybe I've talked about it with people on Twitter or whatever. But a lot of the, 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 the narrative that we've established around Fromm is like, right, the NFL is really going to like him because they're going to talk about what he's done for the culture. And they're going to talk about the leadership. And they're going to talk about how he stayed in the locker room and how he kept the team together when Justin Fields transferred and how Jacob Beeson transferred and the coaching staff invested in him. And what are they going to call Fromm? They're going to call him a winner. They're going to call him a lead. He doesn't put your team in trouble. He moves the ball down the field. And he finds ways to win football games. That's what that's, that He's going to get that label, I can promise you. Well... You're going up against Notre Dame. But he already has playoff. that label. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, he has like he's already that guy. And I, I, I get that he's got to continue it, right? If that's what you, if that's what you're boasting as a prospect, you better keep doing it, or you're gonna run out of stuff to boast about. But well, I will <laughs> say that I'd like for a team or for a player who's being, you know, sold as a winner to beat Alabama. Um, but regardless <laughs> of that, right? If you're not gonna beat Alabama, beat Notre Dame. This is going to be the well, biggest. Sure. Yeah. This is going to be the biggest. Like, let's say Fromm comes out this year. This is the biggest game on his resume that is not against the Crimson Tide. So, I mean, like, if you're going to be sold as he's a he's a he's a point guard, he's great in the pocket, he keeps your team on schedule, he doesn't put you in bad situations, then that's what I want to see from you against the team in the Fighting Irish. Who, okay, Notre Dame knows what this game is. Notre Dame's schedule after this. USC with a freshman, Virginia, who's like, you know, obviously still spunky, but not as good as, as maybe we thought they were going to be coming into the year. Michigan, which we've already disparaged to the extent of it. Uh, Stanford, Notre Dame, Duke, Boston College, a bunch of power five programs. <laughs> Wait, but like Stanford, Virginia Tech, like these are programs that are really rapidly on the decline. Notre Dame, if it wants any semblance of a college football playoff resume this year, must win this game. One hundred percent. Full yes. throttle, and that's 100%. why like, you're interested in From. I'm interested in Ian Book. I'm really interested in what Ian Book's going to bring to the table because I don't think Ian Book, who's a senior quarterback now, uh, he took over the starting job last year from Brandon Wimbush, and now he is his full first full year as a starter. I do not think Book is a firm write off from being an NFL draft caliber quarterback. I really don't. And there are some people who like have watched enough book for them to feel like they've said, okay, book's not it. Book's sub six foot. He's probably sub 200 pounds. He does not have great arm strength by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. But again, we're talking about from as a game manager, point guard type book. He's got good mobility. I think he's really calm outside of the pocket. I like the way that he diagnoses and dissects pressure. I think that he has some legit NFL tools and this is the stage for him. This is the Georgia D. This is Kirby smart. It's on the road. Kirby smart. I mean, this is, if you, even like again, like obviously Notre Dame for the sake of the, the Irish and their playoff hope needs to win this game. But if Book can go punch for punch with Fromm going up against the Georgia defense in Georgia, it's going to reintroduce Book to the national NFL draft stage. Which, besides a game against Clemson, who I don't know if you heard, won the national championship last year. Who Book has done? Who Book has done? <laughs> 
wonderfully against multiple Power 5 competitions and good defenses that he's faced. So Book is, in my opinion, by no means are we talking about Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, and Ian Book. Um, no. But Book is, a, is on the NFL draft radar, and I think it's very quiet. I think this game has the potential to make it a lot louder. George is favored by 13 and a half in this game. Feels like a lot. Healthy. Feels like Notre a Dame, lot. Notre Dame lost a fair bit of talent, and I think that they have enough that they've reloaded that they should be fine. I agree that Georgia feels like a lot. The way that I was going to frame it to you is like this. How much – so, like, obviously the odds for Notre Dame winning straight up, right? How much money would you need to make on a $100 bet to bet Notre Dame winning outright this game? Uh, if I tell you 18 times my money, will you give me that line? No, God, no. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, you, you never know. I got to ask. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I need to put down. On $100? Right. What would you need to get back with a Notre Dame win in order to put a $100 bet on it? I mean, at least another $100. Notre Dame is plus four fifty. If you were to put a hundred dollars down on Notre Dame and they won right now, you would get four hundred and fifty dollars back on top of your original one hundred. I mean, that seems like a really good bet. Mm. I'll tell you right now, mm. for the sake of having skin in the game, I have bet on Notre Dame winning outright exclusively, so I have something to root for during the first half. And then if they lose, they lose. But like, it's not going to be one of my recommended bets. It's not going to be a. a a big portion of my units for the week. But I absolutely threw something. I, I, I want a piece of Notre Dame, Georgia. Seven versus three. I want a piece of that. And my piece is Notre Dame outright at plus 450. That's great value. That is really good value. But, like, I, I'm always I'm always caught in the middle when it comes to, like, value bet. Like, I think that's a really good value bet. I really do. Right. But I don't think Notre Dame's going to win. Right. The thing is, so like at that you know, point, am I just throwing away money and just convincing myself when I lose? Ah, you know, was it? But it was a value bet. That's the thing. It's like in order to justify a strategy where you're betting big money lines like this one, you have to bet them. You have to bet a lot of them, and right? Because you because you got to right? hit them. And so exactly. So bet, betting on just the one isn't feasible. But again, for me, it's putting it's putting skin in the game. So while I watch the game, I have something that I'm rooting. Yeah, for. why not? But yeah, it's fun as heck. Yeah, um, why not? But either way, that's obviously the marquee matchup of the evening. Significant NFL draft implications for both quarterbacks. I think that's the important takeaway for me, at least, is that like I really want to emphasize. Like I, I, I very firmly believe that Ian Book. This is a huge game for his draft stock, even if he's viewed quietly. Let's not forget his tight end Cole Komet coming back from injury as well. Honestly, don't know how to pronounce Cole's last name, Komet K M E T. But that guy's coming back, and that should be a boost. But that guy. If a weaker pass catching core, I will also say the other game that I will absolutely have on in the background or in the evening slate, Trevor, mm-hmm. Oklahoma oh, of State course. at number 12, Texas. Of course. Listen, of course. We've got a lot of brand players in this game. We do. And I want nothing more than to see Texas go to two losses at the hands of a freshman, Trevor. Give it to me. Oh, I hope Oklahoma State wins this game. There's a lot of NFL draft prospects in that one, too. Hubbard, Ty Wallace, Sam Ellinger, obviously, Colin Johnson. You got Brandon Devin Jones. Duvernay. You got, yeah, Devin Duvernay. Um, 
AJ Green, the Oklahoma State corner AJ Green. Yeah, and then AJ also Green. Um, a player who we're getting a report up on this week is the redshirt sophomore just became eligible left tackle for Texas. Samuel Cosme plays uh, next to Parker Braun and Zach Shackelford, who are other uh, upperclassmen who will be coming out this year. But Cosme apparently has caught some eyes in NFL circles for his play as a young player, left tackle for Texas, named to watch. All right, do not look at how much the tickets are. Did you already do that? For I uh, no, I haven't. Okay, tell me what game you think is the cheapest ticket in all of college football this weekend. I will give you a hint. We talked about this game. Okay, so the games we've talked about. Um, Houston, Tulane. Yep. Utah, USC. Yep. Cal Ole Miss. Actually, yep. wait, I have an answer. Utah, USC. Coliseum, and no one wants to go see this USC team. It sucks. That is, that is the low price of $22 a ticket, but that is not the lowest price. Dang it. Okay. Michigan, Wisconsin, not that one. Uh, Tennessee, Florida, not that one. The SEC, they're crazy. Um. What else? What else? What else? What else? Auburn, Texas A and M. No, that's uh-huh. super crazy. Uh-huh. UCF Pitt. Uh huh. Seventeen dollars, but not the cheapest. Okay, closer. Um. What else did we talk about? Uh, Oklahoma State, Texas. Notre Dame, Georgia. Oklahoma State, Texas. It's not the Oklahoma State. It's Oklahoma State, Texas. Texas just came off a bad loss. It's Big Twelve late at night. Ben. Yeah. You can get in yes! to Oklahoma State at Texas for two. Count them. One and two. Two dollars. Two dollars. This is a Corral Champions Club Pass. One to 25 tickets. I don't even know what that is. Two. Does not wait, Trevor. Does not include admission into the game. Oh, okay. All right, never mind then. Right, the the lowest one that includes admission into the game is fifty two dollars. ESPN has been lying to us. Wow, imagine, imagine. What do you, all right now? What do you think the most expensive ticket is? Notre Dame, Georgia. It is Notre Dame, Georgia. Easily lowest tickets right now. Well, according to ESPN, who may be lying to us, three hundred and eleven dollars. Okay, let's check this out. Yeah, upper lever, upper level, upper, upper, upper level. level. $334. Jiminy Christmas, man. If you want, okay, if you want behind the visitor's sideline, mm-hmm. section 107, mm-hmm. upper level, at the 50, $555 for Georgia Notre Dame. Good Lord, man. Good I would not Lord. pay $555 to watch my child be born. No, I wouldn't. Well, oh, geez. Wow. Okay, that went a different direction than I thought it was going to. Wow, I got to stop blindly agreeing with you as I think about the transition. Cole McDonald, Hawaii, folks. 11.59 p.m. Don't miss it. You got to stop, Trevor. You're, I'm your friend. Me, you, your family. We're worried about you, man. He's not good appointment television cole mcdonald after dark is he playing or did, or did they bench him i'm sure they will at some point as is nick rolovich's wife <laughs> he's got nine touchdowns and eight interceptions oh cole what's happened to you 
It's a gunslinger, baby. Cole! Guns. You're breaking my heart, brother. You hate to see it. Just trying to watch him run and shoot. <laughs> With the blonde hair dreadlocked. I'm just trying to watch him run and shoot. <laughs> Tomorrow. Yes. We get into a lot more lines. Not that kind. NFL lines. So we're going through the entire NFL schedule. Going through every single matchup. Thursday night through Monday night. Going to go through all of them. Highlight all of the changes of what could be with players and teams going into week three of the NFL season. It's going to be a good time. Then, of course, Fan Friday coming up the day after that. Until then. Oh, yeah. You guys keep it locked right here. Unlocked on NFL Draft.